Welcome to Fawns and Fauna, a podcast about creatures real or otherwise. I'm your host, Cody Conklin. And I'm your host, Ash Conklin. Well, folks, it doesn't sound like garbage this time around, hopefully. Yay! And thank you for bearing with us as we have taken a little bit of a longer time to post this episode, but we have decided that we are going to change our upload schedule. So Also, we made some hopefully very apparent upgrades to our recording setup. Correct. Which, again, hopefully will be worth it for yeah. you all. Yeah. Well, How have you been? Good. You know, hanging in there can't complain it hasn't been as hot which is a lie that i'll tell myself well it's also going to start getting cooler which is nice it's fall time so yeah which means halloween which means halloween i am so excited currently and it will be for the next two months well two and a half well i'd say all of september yes all of october yes and then you have until thanksgiving yes so yeah like two and a half um in my heart halloween starts after new year's well that's all you know it's the the the, the, i have nothing (laughs) to say um but halloween is great because there's a lot of spooky stuff and especially Mm -hmm. spooky creatures coming down the pipe works so uh speaking of spooky creatures my creature for this week is a little bit spooky well they live in caves. Let's, dun, uh, dun, dun. Let's spelunk on into it. So, my creature for this week is none other than the blind cave fish. Oh. What? Okay. Also known as the Mexican tetra. So, some fast facts for you. They are native to the Nearctic realm which is like the lower Rio Grande, Rio Grande, Rio Grande, the big river, Rio Grande, yeah. um, the Nueces and the Pecos river in central America. Um, okay. And they grow to a total length of about 12 centimeters. Gotcha. Um, some have limited sight while some have no eyes at all. So like, some who live closer to like the entrance of caves or have caves that have like skylights. I don't know what those are called. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean though? Yeah. Um, they have like limited vision. So they're liars. Basically, yes. Okay. They're posers. Mm-hmm. And then the other fish, not only do they have no eyes at all, but their eye sockets have scales over them. Whoa. Yeah. So that takes us into the anatomy of these fish uh so their scales are arranged like roof shingles okay uh starting from excuse me i just punched my mic um starting from snoot to toot as Mm -hmm. we like to say yep uh and the scales are covered in a mucus to reduce drag and they also act like armor what how fast are they going in these cave rivers that they have to worry about the drag fast enough i guess i don't know (laughs) especially because typically they are the apex predator where they live (laughs) (laughs) what a wild (laughs) and the thing is like the things that they eat aren't fast so i don't know why they need 
I don't know. Uh, it's I can't get over the fact that these blind fish are the apex predators. Well, you'll understand more when we get into like, well, they live. Okay. So they live in like, we're getting a little bit ahead of my notes, but that's fine. So they live in uh, like, I don't even know how to explain it, but basically like tangles of tree roots Oh, cool. That are in forests above them. And so in the video, and I can link this in the show notes, but in the video, the guy went in the cave with his guide and they, first of all, had to swim like frogs instead of like kicking like you normally uh-huh. do. Because if they disrupt the sediment on the floor, they can be blinded and not be able to find their way out of the cave, which is terrifying to me. The the people going the into the cave? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and like it's completely pitch dark in there Don't so like that. yeah it's really scary so the only lights that they had were the lights from their cameras um and they found the tetras in the tangles of these tree roots and they kind of look like angel hair pasta um like that's the coloration and of the roots mm-hmm. okay yeah and so they would like form you know, what what's that Pokemon who kind of looks like blue spaghetti? Tangla. <laughs> Everyone loves Tangla. Uh, so these Tetras live in tree roots that essentially are Tangla. Oh, okay. So that's where they live. The tree roots are in the caves? Mm-hmm. Oh, weird. Yeah, because so basically the way that their ecosystem has developed is there's a jungle uh-huh. above them in central america and there will like the river will go into a cave Uh and the trees that are growing by the river on top of so the cave is essentially like a tunnel underground okay so the the cave just goes through like a hill or whatever and yeah but it's like still rocky and the roots go all the way through the rocks and everything? Whoa. Yeah, I'll post the video so that you guys can see what I'm talking about. Hmm. But yeah, it's like a rocky cave entrance. And then you just see these like massive root. Yeah, I'm not used to seeing roots I don't know how inside to explain of caves. It. Yeah, it was super weird. I had no idea what I was looking at at hmm. first. But then obviously the guy explained it and then I became educated. <laughs> so I will link that video down below for you guys. It was really interesting. Um, and I think it's only like 10 minutes long. Hmm. So, but anyway, um, moving back into the anatomy. Another really cool thing about them is so they're blind. And this happens with like all creatures who become blind or are born blind, you learn to be dependent on your other senses and your other senses become a lot sharper and more attuned Mm -hmm. um, because of your lack of that one sense. And so the Mexican tetras, they have a lateral line system, which is an organ that lays just under their skin and it runs along each side of their body and it allows their body to register sensory input like vibrations or changes in the water. Don't sharks have a similar thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but this is like... Like hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's how they're able to kind of maneuver without like constantly bonking into stuff. Oh. Like that one um, nurse shark in Finding Dory who keeps <laughs> running into the walls. <laughs> so they have like 
a fish version of echolocation kind of? Yeah, pretty much. Cool. And the females typically are bigger than the males, which is actually pretty common. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, some um, species of the blind cave fish have their eye sockets covered in scales um, and some have them as like semi-operational. Yeah. So are, I'm g- you're going to get into this. Are they born with eye? I will okay, get into okay. that. Yeah. So this kind of ties back to our question about why they need drag um, because they are scavengers. They're not hunters. So they often feed on animal and plant remains that have been swept into the caves by the river's current. For example, if an animal dies like either in the river or near the river um, or like an animal like piranhas the remnants of their prey or Mm -hmm. whatever or any kind of like edible plant remains that the river sweeps into the caves the um, blind cave fish will kind of eat the rest of it okay um they also attract okay this This part was so cool, and it really kind of reminded me of the mayflies. They attract partners by moving their mouths and gills with enough fervor for the desired partner to sense it in their water, in the water via their lateral line system. Isn't that so funny? (laughs) That's my favorite, like, mating ritual (laughs) I've ever heard of, just like, I don't want to do a bunch of bad mouths. They sounds, literally so. are like, just imagine me like flailing my hands like gills. Yeah, literally like that's what they do. And then they are just like, well, I guess my partner is going to feel that in the water and come and mate with me. That's so f- with this might just be a me thing or like everyone does it. And I finally like, let's put the tiger on the table and talk about it. Whenever I see animals or hear about like weird rituals, I'm like, just imagine if we did that. I like, know, that? right? And so I just picture like people walking down like a high school hallway or across <laughs> a college campus and they just like drop their bags and start flailing their arms and just like <laughs> opening and closing their mouths with like puckering sounds just as fast as they can. Well, the thing that's even weirder about the blind cavefish doing it is that they're literally blind. So like, how do they even know that there is a like partner in the water? next to them that they should be attracting anyway so it's just a very bizarre ritual all around i feel i feel like they could make the the good vibrations uh, other other ways (laughs) it's such a good vibration (laughs) such a sweet sensation (laughs) uh so the fish then swim side by side to mate And the eggs sink to the bottom and stick to rocks. And then during gestation, the babies will develop eyes. And the eyes are developed normally, but then they degenerate within the egg. And we don't really know why. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, we don't really know why. And the only thing we can come up with is like evolution. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like I said before, they're either b- born completely blind or close to it. And the site decreases over time since it's not necessary for their survival. Mm-hmm. And like their environment does not foster. That's sight. so bizarre. Um, so yeah. 
Uh, they have an average of a 10-year lifespan, which is pretty long for a fish. It's pretty good. Okay. So this is actually pretty interesting. So they're like, they quote unquote hunt when divers come mm-hmm. and they have learned to follow the light to hunt that way. Uh, yeah so it's kind of like if you close your eyes you can still sense when the light is on or off you know mm -hmm. so they apparently have that same okay so they can still sense light even through their scales and everything or is that like a different species i just this was just like a general thing that i saw and this was in the video Mm -hmm. okay this was in the video that I saw gotcha. where the guy was explaining that they follow the light, um, huh. which is actually disruptive to the natural way that their ecosystem operates. I'd say it's the exact opposite of normal for them. Right. And so um, they are trying to limit the amount of divers mm-hmm. that go in and they have a gland in their noggin that lets them detect light because they use the darkness as defense. So they swim away from any detected light. So that gland is kind of like a defense system because if they like, I don't know if wander is the right term because wander to me implies like strolling along and you're like wandering in the woods or whatever. But if they wander too far to the mouth of the cave, then like birds or other kinds of animals that prey on fish can see them. And so they need to know to avoid the light. So they have a gland in Mm. their noodle that helps them avoid the light, which to me, when he was saying that, I was like, that doesn't really make sense then why they would follow the light Mm -hmm. to go hunt. Yeah. It's kind of confusing. Yeah. Also that the, before I thought it was that, well, I guess you never said that it was the eyes, and neither did he. Mm-hmm. It's always been this weird gland yeah. that they have. And so the only way that I've been able to make it make sense to me is temperature. So I'm assuming that the further into the cave you go, the colder the water gets because it never sees the sun. Right? That makes sense to you? Yeah. Okay. So Well, then- if it's a river, it's running through, so it wouldn't get that much colder or that much warmer i don't think yes but the water in the cave is like stagnant oh yeah but it's like a pond yeah okay um that gets like fed by the river it's heavy and so the only thing that i can assume is that they can differentiate between like the diver's light and the other light Mm -hmm. because they're not getting into the warmth Maybe. Sounds good. I I don't know really, but that's the only way I can make it make sense to me. And that reminds me of, did you read the Magic Treehouse books when you were a kid? Mm -hmm. So I think it was the second or third one where they go, or maybe the fourth one. It doesn't really matter. But no, because the second one was the knights. The first one was the dinosaur. So I think it was the third one where they go (laughs) into the jungle. And what's her? Annie. Annie is like, okay, Jack, here's how we're going to be okay. So we can tell if we step into the shade of a tree and we can know where the tree house is because it's nighttime and they're like, how are we going to get back Mm. to our tree house? And so they can tell because the shade is going to be colder than the like rest of the ground that had been exposed to the light during the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's what that reminded me of. 
anyway, um, <laughs> so there's also a blind cave eel, which lives in Australia, and it reaches the length of 40 centimeters or 16 inches. That's way bigger. Yes. And that's all the information I have on that animal. Fair enough. We aren't covering <laughs> you this week, cave eel. Maybe next time. Um, so now we're going to move into the human relations, which is so interesting to me. This is actually the longest human relations portion that I have of any animal that we've done so far, hmm. including the Andean mountain cat. Wow. So. R.I.P. <laughs> uh, so I read a National Geographic article that was published in 2018 that said that scientists were using CRISPR, which I'm sure my brother will know what that is because he's a scientist. Do you know what that is? I don't know what it is either, but they used that tool to discover that these fish are resistant to insulin. Weird. Yeah. So basically they have all of the traits of a type two diabetic, but they don't have any of the health repercussions. Very weird. Yeah. Uh, so scientists are hoping to use studies of this fish to help humans who have diabetes. Mm. And then in a Florida Atlantic University article in 2019, $1.1 million was granted to study cavefish in relation to human diseases and disorders. Um, so then again, the FAU, um, which is the Florida Atlantic University, published an article in 2020 that said that cavefish doze 80% less than riverfish um, and studying what makes them resistant to harmful effects of sleep loss to find ways uh, um, to treat the same in humans, um, as hmm. well as continuing to study metabolism, diet, and insulin resistance. So I'm going to end on this quote, which is kind of long, but it's really interesting. Um, and this again was found in the scientific journal of BBA molecular basis of disease published in 2019. And it says, quote, researchers have recently found that blind cavefish can survive without food for several months. This fish leads a long and healthy life. Genetic analysis revealed that the cavefish have unique mutations in the insulin receptor gene that help them gain body weight, a physical characteristic that helps them control their levels of blood glucose, fatty liver, and insulin insulin resistance. Researchers are now trying to understand how the fish is able to tackle these issues, which can be a potential solution to diseases like diabetes and obesity, end quote. Wild. Right? Isn't that so crazy? Hmm. Like, it always blows my mind when, pe when scientists like make this kind of discovery because I'm like, what even made you think to do these kind of studies in the yeah. first place to like figure that out? You know, like... It's so interesting to me. Yeah. But that's all I have on the blind cavefish. Well, thank you so much for bringing them. Woo! And uh, illuminating the subject for us. Ha, ha, ha. So what creature do you have for me this week, honey? Well, so this week I have the Balrog. Oh, my gosh. It's like a, from Lord of the Rings? Like from Lord of the Rings. This is a listener submission from old Uncle Dunk himself. Oh my gosh, Uncle Dunk. Funkle Dunk even. We love Funkle Dunk. So, the Balrog. The name means demon of power. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, Ash just shot forward about a foot in her chair when I said that. <laughs> so, just a heads up. 
I'm going to say so many things wrong. I'm ready. I'm not apologizing. I'm just stating a fact. So, Balrogs. They're classified as Maiar in Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Um, so, other Maiar include characters such as Talion, who is the Guardian of the Moon, and Arian, who is the Guardian of the Sun. Then you have sea spirits like Ose, who helped create like the landmass that humans lived on before they came to Middle-earth. Mm. And then, of course, more popularly, you have characters such as a Wendil, also known as Radagast, <gasps> and Olorin, also known as Gandalf. Wait, what? Yeah. They're the same type of beings. What? Yeah. I love Radagast. He's my little wild, wild boy who He's lives the brown in the forest. Wizard. Yeah, and he has those crazy rabbits. But, yeah, I thought that That's was that was so weird. Bonkers. So there's like, man, I should have learned more. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like, it's like a tiered system. Okay. So you have like the gods, mm-hmm. and maybe below them is like the ar or something like that so it's kind of like how technically like aphrodite and hades are related think of it more as like um all the Maiar are like different angels they're all like they're like the Bold angels you to but, assume i know anything about angels well no so like they're all like the angels and then above them you have like the lord god but in the Lord of the Rings universe, there's like several of them. Several gods? Yeah. Okay. And then you have like the Meyer, who are like their agents, basically. Okay. So Gandalf, Radagast, uh, the other wizards are okay. like the, the okay, agents okay. for yes. the good yes. deities. I am tracking and then, with you. Okay. So... This is pretty much going to be exclusively history because... I'm ready. Bring I'm it assuming on. that you've seen The Lord of the Rings. I sure have. And you know... I've read one and a half of the books. Technically, well, I've read The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring and then half of The Two Towers. And then I gave up. Well, pretty sure Balrogs appear in one of those things. They do. And also all and of I've the, seen the movies. Uh, extended universe stuff. The extended universe stuff? Oh, like the The Silmarillion and the... We talk about it, but we being me. Me and my other Tolkien friends (laughs) that I made. In the class that you dropped? In the lot of research I had to do just to (laughs) halfway pronounce these names wrong. Yeah, really. So, originally, in unrecorded ancient times, Balrogs were fiery mire. So, we talked about Ose, who's like a sea... Maiar, and then we had the sun and the moon, mm-hmm. and then Gandalf and Radagast and the other wizards were, I, I don't, don't know. know, light. Did we just harmonize over our indecision? We have a natural harmony, <laughs> you and I. Yes. So they were persuaded by Melkor. Listen to the name, folks. Sounds like a bad dude. That dude is bad news. Is With he a name like, like a... Melkor, it's got to be bad. Oh, what are they? Come on, you can remember this. Brodsnick? Bl- Snick? Snick? The Brodsnick? big... Brodsnick? 
the the big elephant serpent that you oh. talked about that one oh, time. Oh, you're talking about the classic Fonz Fauna <laughs> character. <laughs> Groot Slang. Groot Slang, that's what it I was. I just remember because it's Groot. Mm, mm-hmm. What did I say? <laughs> I think I said Rot- Rot- Rotsnik, which is Red Snake. Ah, well, close. So anyway. Anyway. Um, so Melkor convinced all the Balrogs, who were just Firemire at the time. Firemire um, was the name of my punk band in high school. Well, Firemire is the name of my software startup. <laughs> it's, my, it's the only picket that I ever was involved in was Firemire, <laughs> superintendent. <laughs> Guy was a real handful. Uh, so Morgoth, who is Melkor, mm. fun thing, everyone has several names, capture, uh, he was captured by Aye. the elves and the humans mm. and all the people. And so all the Balrogs and a bunch of Melkor's other people go into hiding. Okay. And they go to sleep, basically. Same. In the roots of the earth. That's what I do when I play hide and seek. It's really just finding a good place to take a nap. <laughs> Our daughter has no idea what's going on. She's very bad. She's not bad. She's just bad at hide and seek. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Morgoth later, he teams up with a giant spider lady named <gasps> Ungaliant oh. to destroy the two trees of Valinor. Uh, their remains are later turned into the sun and the moon. Okay, wait. So what was lighting the sky before that? The stars? Wishes. (laughs) (laughs) But they go and they attack because that's like the base of like all the good people, maybe. The sun and the moon? I don't know. The the sun and the moon came from the trees. Oh, oh, okay. Well, so the two of them had an agreement on their way back. So Morgoth, bad dude, Mm -hmm. thinks Sauron, but different. Okay. And a giant spider go. They destroy these trees. They're heading back. And while they were there, they picked up like these three gems. Okay. And the spider's like, hey, I want those gems. And he's like, uh, uh, no. Mm. Melkor, keep the stones. <laughs> and she's like, but I'm a spider, so give them to me. <laughs> and just to remind him that she's a spider, she does her web, web situation thing. on him. And he gets bound and he yells really loud. Like baby girl loud? Well, here's a quote. Okay. It says, the mountains shook and the earth trembled and the rocks were riven asunder. Deep in forgotten places, that cry was heard far beneath the ruined halls of Angband. Angband is his home base. Okay. That's where they were when all the Balrogs and everything went and hid. Uh, in vaults which the Valar, Valar are all like, Above the Maiar. Okay. In like our tiered system. Uh, in the haste of their assault had not descended, Balrogs lurk still, awaiting ever to return to their lord. And now swiftly they rose, and passing <gasps> over Hithlium, they came to Lamoth as a tempest of fire. Oh, no. Yeah. So. He yelled so loud that he, he, okay, so here's what happened. 
So the spider was like, mmm, tasty gems, yes, please. And the other guy was like, I don't think so, ma'am. And the lady was like, okay, well, here, I'm going to shoot out some butt string and you're going to be bound and not be able to do anything. And then homeboy said, ollie, ollie, oxen free. And all the balrogs said, oh, hide and seek is over. Here I come. Pretty much, yeah. That's scary. So, well... We'll get into what they look like later, but... I know what they look yeah. like. Yeah. Well, do you? I mean, I saw the movie. Did Peter Jackson know <laughs> Well, okay. Can I posit an assumption of we what they look a, like? Put a little pin in this history lesson, sure. So, I will be posting pictures of all of our creatures, as always, on Instagram. But what I think these boys look like is they have so they're like predominantly black like obsidian type situation typical tolkien and they have like glowing red lava eyes Mm -hmm. and they have like ram's horns that are coming out and like curl around their like scary skull face Mm -hmm. and they're huge and they have big like monster bodies with like claws um, and they exude fire and fury and rage and scariness. And they're also really, really big. So demons. Yes. What about wings? I just got like a spine chill. Do they have wings? Do you not picture them as having wings? No. Peter Jackson did. Oh, really? He sure did. We'll hmm. talk about that. Okay. So basically the Balrogs come, save the day. Well, save their homie. Save the day from. Would well, save the day from you know Melkor and all the right those. I won't even call them gentlemen because <laughs> there was only one, and that's not what he was. <laughs> um. So now that they're awake, we're going to enter a section that I call martial prowess of the Balrogs, aka. Balrogs are unkillable nasty boys who never lose a fight ever, period. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) This is just going to be me reading about a bunch of wars, but bear with me because it's worth it. I'm ready. We'll war through this together. (laughs) I'm going into battle with you. I'm ready to wage war on this history lesson. <laughs> Are you okay? Yep. <laughs> so we're going to start with the War of the Jewels. Okay. Remember? Wh- okay. <laughs> you said we're going to start with the war and my head said of 1812. <laughs> well, it's connected. <laughs> Whiplash. Tolkien got a little carried away. <laughs> before well not but like got carried away before like the hobbit was published he did some weird stuff (laughs) but it was the 50s and i don't think it was the 50s um so the war of the jewels remember i talked about uh melkor Mm -hmm. morgoth Mm -hmm. he had those jewels when he burned down the trees with the big spider lady Mm -hmm. well this war is about those particular jewels makes sense is the spider the other person who's fighting no the the balrogs took care of her okay she went into hiding probably and became shelob i don't think so but maybe maybe shelob's mom Mm. or aunt or shelob 
It's hard to keep track of all these people. It's true. So these jewels were created by an elf named Feanor. Okay. Great name for an elf. It is. So Feanor wanted them back. Feanor rallies the troops. Mm. Super outnumbered. Somehow they beat Morgoth. <gasps> it's like Gideon. Well. Oh. So he, after the little victory he had, he's mm. like, this Morgoth ain't got nothing. Let's just go attack his home base at Angband. Oh. Where the Balrogs sleep. And so he and his army march on Angband. Uh, and as you might have surmised, it was a bad idea. Yeah. In what's known as the Battle Under the Stars, he fought surrounded by Balrogs before eventually he, who is like, his title is the mightiest of the children of Iluvatar. So Iluvatar are the men and the elves. Uh-huh. He's the baddest dude on the planet that is in a Maiar and they kill him. Well. And that's pretty much the end of that fight. That's a pretty dope battle name, though. Battle Under the Stars. Yeah, well, Tolkien was good at naming fights, because... <laughs> he wasn't good at naming mountains, but he was good at naming fights. Well, I think his mountains are great. Mount Doom? Yeah. He literally wrote an entire language and then just landed on Mount Doom. Short, sweet, to the point. Fair enough. It's an economy of language. <laughs> Stylistic choices. So after that, Morgoth sends word to Feanor's son, Maedros. Wait, so Morgoth? Okay, okay, okay. Morgoth is a bad yes. dude. No, Morgoth no, no, no. and Melkor. Yeah. Yes, I'm tracking. Okay, so Feanor dies, and Morgoth basically is like taunting his son and is like, "Hey, why don't you just like come and surrender? Because like I murdered your dad, so <gasps> I guess it's over." <laughs> oh, no. And Maedros is like. Oh, yeah, I'll totally come and surrender. It's like I was going to go there anyway. Uh, Both of them lying Mm. and planning secret attacks. Okay. I'm sure you can guess who had the better secret attack. Probably the guy with the giant fire demons. Maedros came. His forces, like his father, were outnumbered. Also, Morgoth had Balrogs. So what are you going to do? And Die. every single one in his company was destroyed. That tracks. And he was taken as a prisoner. Oh, for why? To be Play cruel with? to him, yeah. So the Balrogs are also like the torturers of Morgoth's army. <clears throat> um, They use like whips and oh, all kinds of... I yeah. don't like that. That's no good. Well, we'll fast forward then sometime to the year 472 of the one of the ages. Okay. Uh, and King Fingon of the Elves decides to lay siege to Angban because it's worked just so, so well. well for his brethren. And what follows is known as the Battle of Endless Tears. <laughs> oh. <laughs> in which, as you may have guessed at this point, the good guys are totally spanked and the Balrog <laughs> kills the Elf King. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, there's a pattern developing here. <laughs> oh, no. So... Three up, three down for elf kings. You know, Balrogs three, elf zero. Woof. Uh, another guy is captured, and I'm just going to not give his name because too many names already. Mm. Uh, and it's not important for our purposes here. And he's interrogated for, for he is interrogated for information about the secret elven land. 
Okay. Unsuccessfully. Oh. He stands up to the Balrogs and he's like, I ain't no snitch. Snitches get stitches. So that's a victory for the elves, right? I suppose, but I also feel like probably not. No, because they find the base anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All of my sources said, not long after this, Morgoth laid siege to the city. (laughs) He was trying to find in what is known as the destruction of Gundalan. You know what? It was a valiant effort for our unnamed hero. (laughs) I guess so. Valiant and futile. Whoa. Uh, And as I'm sure, again, you can guess by Tolkien's just powerful naming convention, in the destruction of Gondolan, Gundolin was destroyed. Yeah. Uh, And in this battle, the Balrogs flew on the backs of dragons. Hold on. Hold on. So these mofos that already had wings were on top of... So Okay. So these fiery winged demon creatures were riding atop bigger fiery demon creatures. Yeah, cracking their flaming whips and, you know, wielding their giant whatever kinds of weapons they had. I would poop my entire intestinal system that's why the elves wear brown pants to this day (laughs) but literally like that is so scary yep that's so scary well yeah this is where i was going to talk about their appearance but you did a bang-up job describing that wait really yeah haha so basically humanoid in shape although much larger than any man ever Mm mm-hmm They're described as having a mane of fire and are shrouded in flames and shadows. That's so scary. (laughs) Isn't that so cool? And it's also during this fight that we see the first death of a Balrog. Whoa. At the hand of Ecthelion. So So that's the mightiest of all. Well, one of the reasons that um, Morgoth wanted to get to this place is there's like a special fountain there. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't remember entirely. Okay. But there's a big fight between a Balrog and this guy, Ecthelion, guy, I mean elf, um, over this fountain. And basically what it ends up is the Balrog disarms him. He takes his helmet and like, I don't remember if he like punches it or he like jumps up into him and like impales the Balrog in the stomach and they both fall into the spring or the well and Mm -hmm. they die. So he sacrifices himself to kill the thing. Okay, wait. So, fatal wound inflicted via helmet in the gut? Yeah, well, elves have really pointy helmets. Yeah, but I feel, well, I mean, I guess that would eventually be fatal, but, like, why did the guy die? Why did the elf die? He Like, from wounds he sustained during the fight. Okay. So, after this, there is a... Another instance, I think, is while they were fleeing. More they being the, the elves? elves. While the elves were fleeing, yeah. The um, more like of Morgoth's forces are chasing them up the side of a mountain, and one elf stays behind to fight another Balrog. 
and he also manages to kill it. They both fall off the side of the mountain during their fight. I don't remember if Dude. it was like... Yeah. I so. can't even imagine that level of bravery. Like, I really don't think that if I was ever in that kind of situation, literally the only thing I could think of that would make me be able to do that was if I knew that our daughter was at risk. Well, that's what he was like an elvish man who had a family and stuff. And he was like a leader among the people. So he stayed behind basically to give everyone else enough time to make it into the mountains. Yeah, that's literally the only way. Because like I'm thinking about it and I was like, if I knew that our family had like time and the chance to escape, I would not stay at all. But like if I knew that the only way that our family would be safe was if I like sacrificed myself, mm-hmm. that's the only way I would be able to be brave enough to do something like that. Well, that's insane. That's exactly what he did. And then we're going to skip a bunch of time okay. to come to the Balrog, who we're all familiar with. <gasps> that fought Gandalf? Known as Durin's Bane. <gasps> so this is actually, so we've seen before this period well before this section that we got into this Mm -hmm. we saw three different elves killed by balrogs yes and so far we've seen two balrogs defeated that also took down two elves so both time it took a mortal sacrifice to kill one Mm, i didn't even think of that yeah and so gandalf again (gasps) this is the third time that one's defeated after a fall but gandalf survived but gandalf survived because He's a Maiar. And so he was the only one. He's like at their level, basically. Yeah. And he also like did pretty much have to pay the mortal sacrifice to take it out. Yeah. Coming back as Gandalf the White later. But, you know, they fell. They both survived the fall. And wow. Gandalf fought it up the side of a mountain. Yeah. And so, yeah, I thought that was wow. really interesting that like yeah. we see three cases of the Balrog's just obliterating everyone that's crazy like like we see time and again the mightiest of men and elves Mm -hmm. taken down by these guys and then we see three cases the next three cases of the balrogs falling but the cost that it takes yeah wow yeah so this is what i want to get into more attributes about them okay in case they weren't already scary enough Listen, my butthole's been puckered from the beginning. Well, we're now going to talk about the intelligence of the Balrogs. Oh, no. So The more intelligent, the more scary. Well, while in the mines, Gandalf casts... Of Moria? Of Moria, yeah. So this is Gandalf and Durin's Bane. I think the... I don't know if the rest of the Fellowship was... Well, the rest of the Fellowship had to be there at that time. Unless they did, I don't know. In the mines? In the mines. Yeah, they were there. Well, I don't know. Like, I'm talking about, like, this is an instant that happens in the story. Oh. So, at one point, Gandalf casts a spell of sealing on a door. The Balrog, one, perceives that the spell is there, and two, casts a counter spell to undo the spell of sealing that Gandalf cast. So that's literally like when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you try to cast Charm Person and you fail, you're like, check. And the person's like, 
Excuse me, did you just cry to cast charm person on me? Yeah. Yikes. Except it's like they you like rolled a 19 and they're like, yeah, he beat it. It's like, uh, um. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he beat it. What? He got a nat 20 with a plus six modifier. Yeah, what exactly. <laughs> he beat it and he rolled a 13. So <laughs> not looking great for you. So um, one thing I want to touch on is how many. Because with how powerful these guys are, I think that's an important question Can to I answer. guess? Sure. 20. Well, no. Am I close? Um, no. Oh. I mean, relative to anything, I suppose. <laughs> Um, so in the early writings, um, before like everything was solidified, uh, Tolkien wrote about there being just like legions of them, basically like lots and lots and lots and lots oh of them. My gosh. But as it progressed and as he developed it more and he like, that might even predate my art and everything. He eventually said that there were, this is a quote, three or at most seven. So I wasn't that far off. No. I mean, relative like. Seven versus 20. I mean, yeah, but compared to a legion? Yeah. That's why I said it's relative. So, um, and with that, if there were seven, we'll take it on the high end because we know there's more than three because we saw three killed. How many wraiths were there? Do you remember? Were the wraiths kings 11? Were there 11? 13? Some kind of Maybe. like. Maybe. Something like that. Some number that's significant to like. But at first I like was like, was there Norse seven? Norse people and stuff. Yeah. Well, they, they predate the race because the race were... I know. I just didn't know hum- if there okay. was like another crazy connection. Yeah. Finally, the, the greatest controversy with the Balrogs is the issue of wings. Okay. In my mind, they don't have wings. Okay. Well, you're probably the most right. Whoa! Yeah. Because so, you see in the Peter Jackson thing, he has like flames coming off of him as if they were wings. Right. And that's like... It's in the books that passages mention that his wings spread from wall to wall. Like, literally, that's a quote from the book. But just before that, like the sentence before that, it talks about the darkness enshrouding him as if it were wings. Okay. Also, there are like three of them who were killed. Uh, two of the three who were killed. That By happens falling. after yeah. a fall. Right. I just and thought so, about that. So they don't have wings. If they do, it's just like for looks and show. Because also, Maya are able to change their appearance. Like Gandalf looks the way he looks because that's the way he's supposed, like he's been told to look and that's how he wants to look. Mm-hmm. And the same with these guys. Like they look like that because it's big and scary and they're fire demons. So. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. But that's that's where I stand. And, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a, an expert in... Tolkienian, if you will. You know, Chris, if you disagree, get at me. <laughs> Christopher. But that's all I got for you. Wow. That was crazy. See, now you're making me want to go back and reread The Lord of the Rings. And by reread, I mean reread the first one and finish reading the second and third. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a good goal to have. But... That's crazy. They definitely don't have wings. And if they do, they're just like for looks. And yeah. Because could you imagine if they did have like functioning wings and they were riding on dragons? I know. That literally would be like if a centaur tried to ride a horse. 
That's funny. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for listening and sticking with us through our interesting audio debacle of last time. Um, And again, if you would leave us a review on iTunes or share us with your friends who you think would be interested in this kind of thing. That would be awesome. Um, I leave all of our socials and any videos or anything in the show notes. And as always, if you guys have any suggestions for creatures that you guys would like us to cover, feel free to email us or DM us on any of our platforms. And as always, you guys are doing a great job. And if you're having a bad day, just remember, at least you don't have teeth in your butt. Bye. Bye. Bye.